Hi, I'm Jacqueline Jasek, and I'm super excited to have Juan Pablo here from Costa Rica. Uh, I'm here to learn more about Costa Rican cacao and supply chain and the world of chocolate from the man himself, who's a wealth of knowledge. So hi, Juan Pablo, uh, if you don't mind introducing yourself. Hi, Jackie. Yes, I'm, I'm Juan Pablo. I'm the founder and CEO of Nahua. We are a cacao exporting company. We produce and we export, and uh, we also make chocolate. Uh, here in Costa Rica. Yes. Wonderful. And tell us how Nahuya started. Well, it started several years ago as me being a farmer and I developed my farm and then I needed to find markets for my cocoa beans and it was never enough. So I started buying or helping farmers and neighbors to buy, sell me some beans. So I ferment, dry and export. It was it's an organic growth of the business. And I was also developing farms for other people that want to enter in the market. So that I, 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 I thought that was fun. And, and then I helped them to market their beans. So it started growing step by step. So our, at some moment, I noticed that there were more than hundreds of farmers there with cacao beans, super high quality, beautiful genetics but no access to markets. They were absolutely dependent on selling and to local intermediaries at very low prices. Uh, so I, I, I thought that it could be a good idea, a fair idea and with very high social impact to aggregate them, buy them fresh beans, pay them cash at very good prices, control the fermentation and drying and export that to very qualified uh, buyers that appreciate all this, what we were doing. That's amazing. And I think, I mean, access to market is always one of the challenges that I've learned from farmers. But going back a step, what is the history of cacao in Costa Rica? Because it's not one of the places that is, well, 10 years ago when I we first met, it wasn't one of the first places that I thought of cacao. Yes, yes, yes. The, the history goes way, way back. Even the first Spaniards or conquistadores that arrived to Costa Rica, they, they managed to have some chronicles detailing about this cacao. Um, because there was two, according to these chronicles, two communities in Costa Rica, they were growing cacao specifically. Mm? There was one of the most important uh, cultures or activities. And they were Aztecs even in Costa Rica, the Naoas people that spoke Nahuatl with the Spanish, the Spaniards. So they produced cacao and, and they were, and they sent that by boat or walking to Tenochtitlan in Mexico, that is known. And it's also known that the first, this, these communities arrived to Costa Rica in the 1400s from Southern Mexico, from Chiapas. They were, they, they, they were from there and, and they looked, their communities there. And cacao was the most important uh, export commodity in Costa Rica in the 1500s and 1600s um, and 1700s as well. Then, because of this interruption of the commerce, because of the pirates in the Caribbean, uh, there was a slowdown, very significant, and, and then disappeared for a while. And then was a very good coming years again in uh, the last century. In, from 1930 to the 60s was very important for the, for, for, the, for the local economy. 
besides cacao and banana and other commodities for those years. And then uh, in the late 70s, a tremendous disease uh, came from South America uh, at the same moment where cacao were at very low prices. Um, so farmers were not prepared, not technologically, nor financially ready to stop that, uh, that disease. So basically, all um, crops were affected by monilia, moniliasis, that's, that's the disease. And most of the plantations were abandoned. And uh, so it stayed like that for yeah, almost 20 years. And early this, this century, 2007, um, start a new, a new wave of taking of caring about cacao. And uh, the people that are now in cacao are it's very common to find the grandson of somebody that planted that plantation 70 years ago, 100 years ago. And um, they developed a family originally, and then the, there was a generation that was affected by the monilia, so abandoned. And now we have the next generation that is one have a very, very strong emotional attachment to this plantation because it was planted by the, the grandfather. So it's, it's, it's a beautiful story behind it. Uh, which a lot of challenges because there was a generation between that did not uh, pass technology, technological knowledge to the next generation. So it's not really the, the, the new owners or the grandchildren, they are not ready to, or, or they, are, they don't have all the skills needed to have a very productive um, plantation. So how are they learning those skills if that's been lost? Well, it's very, very pretty much in hands of, of uh, technical assistance that we provide to our farmers or, or, or now with social media, it's very, very easy to access to, to, uh, to videos. And well, before the pandemic, we have these regular uh, uh, days that we train farmers, a eh, community. Um, we, over the years, we identified that the most important issue is, uh, is um, productivity because abandoned communities, no fertilizer applied over 30 years and a lot of shade, bad management. Uh, but, and um, that's, that's one point. And the, but the other one is also livelihood. They help them to, to be proud of being a farmer. Because these are the these are located in remote locations, uh, borders to the other countries. So the, the, the areas were the poorest of the poorest live. So that, that's are the, the most important topics. Huh? Yeah, helping to bring to, pride back into farming because that was lost. You think? But that was not, I think lost, but this lot of, of disappointment of what happened over years. Yes, the, the thing is. They want to be farmers, cacao farmers. For, for example, in a group that we mapped very well, we know that 80% of them wants to be that cacao be the only source of income. They want to be cacao farmers. And that, that, that's very important. But on the other hand, very structural problems because they are not very productive. So they, can, they want to be farmers, but they cannot be, they have, they have a decent living with, with cacao farming. And it has not to do with prices, 
because mm -hmm. we pay very good prices if you compare to, to other origins. But has to do with productivity. Huh? It's, it's a two, two factors uh, uh, result. Huh? They need to be productive at a very good price. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, other than price, what are some of the biggest opportunities for cacao in Costa Rica? I mean, obviously, yielding a price that drives a livable wage so they can build communities is fundamentally important. But what other opportunities are there that you're experiencing? Well, we have seen that farmers that um, start working closely with us in this, in our, what we name it the cacao renovation program, that is basically helping them to be more productive but not from a paternalistic approach. That, that's, I, I don't understand that. Yeah. Uh, it's about understanding the specific needs for, and we know now that are three that we cannot uh, avoid. One is training and that we provide that for free. We, we send trainers and high, very qualified uh, consultants to, to work with them in, in productivity, but then it's a moment where farmers has to do what a farmer has to do, right. which is updating their plantation. And for that, they need tools. And I don't mean the, the theoretical tools. I mean a, a ladder and they need a scissors, telescopic scissors, things that cost a lot of money in order to update the plantation that, that are 30 years old and no, 70 years old and 30 years been abandoned. So a lot of shades. Eh? It's a major work. Uh, that's important. They need those tools. We provide that tool at a price, mm -hmm. cost, and they have to pay that back with beans, with increasing productivity. We make a small rotation, so we don't we don't put this in a sphere of an NGO or state. We keep that private, eh? and, and so we understand that better. And once the farmers updated the plantations, what is needed absolutely is nutrition of the soil. You know, it's worth 30 years, 40 years just taking bee pots from the tree. So there is a disbalance uh, that, that needs to be recovered. And that is fertilizers. Uh, that is, a, we, do, we don't press, press uh, the farmers to be organic or non-organic, it's on, on them. Uh, but we promote to be a lot of organic in order to, to make a better soil. And, and then specific nutrition can be conventional. Amazing. So training tools and nutrition are sort of the three opportunities you think to promote cacao. Yes, as a... The opportunity is to be productive. That, that's, those are the ways to be. To, to be Got productive. it. Okay. And I mean, using this productivity that Nahuya has really helped farmers, do you have examples or stories of um, farmers you've worked with that have inherited or taken over these farms and sort of what's happened over the last decade? Yes, and that is fantastic in cacao. That's that. That is why what is for me so important because you can see results from one year to the next. So a farmer that goes with the with the program, you know, so that is trained, uh, make the improvement the farms and apply fertilizers, he can double the the yields from one harvest to the next one. That's very important. Double and. It, if he continues next year, he will increase 33% more. The baseline is super low. So I, I cannot brag about that because they, they can in double, but the baseline is very low. And two, three times is feasible, 
and they can achieve a normal productivity, productivity rate. Yeah? Yeah. So for them, it's very important because they go from 150 kilos or 200 kilos of dry cacao equivalent per hectare to 600, not that in, in one year to the next, not complicated. And up to 900 kilos, which is a standard, very good yield uh, in, in two years time, two or three years time. So for them, it's very important. It's, it absolutely change. And how does that change their livelihoods? I, I mean, obviously they're selling more. So have you seen communities thrive on this as opposed to single farmer? Are there areas that it's changed their economic outset? Like how has it changed communities? It's changing. For me, we, have, we measure all, all these indicators and we know, but for me, the most important has to do with the, the knowledge of the ladies in the house, female farmers, when they feed their children. They, we, we train, they, now they have money instead of uh, buying only rice to feed their families, eh? not um, carbohydrates from rice only, but she is adding proteins, eggs, chicken, or cheese. Mm -hmm. This is helping because there is an important issue in Costa Rica, this overweight children on rural areas. And that is uh, that lowers the expectancy of living, of life. And, uh, and that overweight has to do with this um, overconsumption of carbohydrates. So in, in that sense, when we, also teach this, or we help these ladies to understand how to feed better, to balance their, that, that's the most important thing. And now they have the enough money to change their diets. And that, that's very important because it's super long-term and working with children. Super Amazing. Important. And have other, other things. That, that, that. And so, I mean, I mean, you've got lots of achievements at Nahuya. Is, is the feeding of children one of your most proud achievements? Are there others that you're really proud of? Well, yes. It is your one. chance to brag. There's no humility here. Brag. <laughs> That's very important. The, the, other, the other front that I'm very proud of, and I think it's still a lot of things to do, is working with the female farmers. Mm. Because they uh, incredible situation of disadvantage and very structural, not easy to solve and has to do with cultural, with economic factors, social aspects as well, and opportunities. So, and, and those are not few farmers, there are plenty. We have 26% of the farmers in charge of the farms in our network are female farmers. Wow. And facing some situation that uh, should not be like that. For example, in average, they own 25% less land as a male farmer. So, and they are less productive. We understand now why. It's not because they're women, it's because it's a complication when you have to feed your children, send them to school, send them to the doctor, wait for them, take care of them, and also provide them with less land. So it's very difficult. They don't have enough time as a male farmer. They have, the lady has to devote time to their children. That is cultural like that in those areas. It's mm -hmm. not a shared 
activity. And then also with less. Would the extended family help these women generally, or what's what's the cultural side of supporting other farms for women? There is a there is some help, yes, also from the government in Costa Rica. The government is present in this social aspect. They can take care of the children and if the lady is working during the day. But the locations are yeah? school is mandatory in Costa Rica. No? It's, it's children must go to school. This is not possible to have. Yeah, they will be identified very fast and will be a, even a prosecution to parents. To parents, same as going to hospitals and vaccination, all the things in Costa Rica are special, especially good. But the location is remote. They can, they can after, uh, they have to go to school and then have to, somebody has to pick them at school, bring home, mm. take care of them. It's not that easy to-, to No, to no. So what kind of ideas do you have to help women in cacao? If, I mean, it represents a massive part of your network. Yes. Yeah, that, that's one, that, that's the thing that I'm thinking almost all the time because I don't want to enter in paternalistic approach, just subsidizing. That is right. a wrong. But then I enter in a gray area that I cannot uh, change because we, we identify already how many hours a lady has to devote to the children that she cannot devote to the farm. It's about ten hours per week that she cannot go to the farm. Mm -hmm. and what we are doing is we send a crew of workers 10 hours per week to update the plantations, to compensate that. Somebody has to pay for that. Uh, and for now, we are, we are paying for it. And uh, that's a way to, to do that. And then we include the ladies in every training, in every uh, opportunity to, to give them tools, and sea sources, and fertilizers. With increasing productivity, we call it back, and, and then and that's very important. But this crew thing, uh, sending people to, to help the ladies 10 hours and update what is needed, uh, that's very difficult because it can be solved in the same value chain. Because we have a super refined and very detailed traceability system. We can buy and identify beans that are coming from these ladies. So we mm -hmm. can have a separate fermentation, separate, separate drying, and, and separate availability of beans that are produced by ladies, farmers, female farmers. And maybe that is super important if a female a lady chalk maker will have those specific beans yeah. to make a other from ladies to ladies. Is that on the market With now? Is that available now? It's yeah. It's, for us, it's very easy because we have to separate and deliver the beans, mm -hmm. and, and that's what we do. Now, is everything is on the same, but it's easy for us. It's not. It's not a complication at all. Mm -hmm. And and in that that value change has to accept that maybe we we have to help each other and send money back with a a, a premium in the price. That will not be significant, but it will be very important that comes directly to the ladies to pay for this crew to update the plantation. Yes? For them to be more productive, because that's the goal. They have to be more productive than the male farmers, because they have less land. 
They have mm-hmm. to provide this a family with less land. So they have to be super productive. And, and that is possible. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, that's a really interesting idea that I would be interested in learning more. Because um, I think that is using business for good and um, especially if we can impact. So do you have messages to chocolate makers and chefs and consumers alike on, you know, what you hope the perception of Costa Rican cacao is and how as consumers of chocolate and makers of chocolate, I mean, what can we do different? Well, the, the perception in general is very good on the, on the quality, genetically fantastic, the, the, what, what rich international markets pass through a very, very good fermentation process and stability. And so what is available in the market is, is very good and it's perceived as such. There are some regions in Costa Rica that still depends on intermediaries, intermediaries, and uh, those receive, they pay very low prices. So the quality is not a must. So mm-hmm. there are still some, probably need to, 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 to change the model. And, uh, and, and probably Costa Rica, the beans or any product that comes from Costa Rica is different as in most of the world, because the social aspects are pretty much under control here. For example, there is 99% in our area, which is remote on the, on the, on the borders of the country, is 99% access to potable water, drinkable water, to education, 99%, 100% location to health. It's a hospitals everywhere. And um, so, so and, and there is a social intervention of the government there. That, that is okay. That is check, 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 and it's okay. And uh, environmentally, it's also very important because cacao in Costa Rica is located in agricultural areas, not that not compete to the rainforest, not, not to the national park. It's agriculture. So it competes to cattle ranching, rice, sugarcane, banana, palm. So very, very aggressive crops for the environment. So being in cacao are these biodiversity oases, these this, uh, corridors. So being in cacao is also a super nice check uh, in, this, in this issue. But, but social aspects probably needs to be still be improved uh, based on... And I mean, from many conversations with you, you do have a very structured social impact program um, that does cover sustainability for the environment and for communities and the farmers you're working with. Can you give a brief overview of what that looks like? Because I know yes. it's quite complex, but I, I mean, it's 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 brilliant. No, no, it's okay. We try to keep it very simple because we are a small company, so so we can everybody is involved in this and believe in this. So, but it has to do with the, the environmental aspects of this is we want to create corridors. And this has to do with every farmer, small farmers. And because we have mapped that in Google, <laughs> the map, so we know where they are, very close to each other, is um, to increase their area. That, that's the goal, change the landscape. Instead of them having two hectares of cacao or one hectare and an extra hectare of a rice or whatever, or just a cow there, a cattle, is increase that, increase the cacao plantation, more, more area. Mm-hmm. That will change step by step the, the, 
the landscape and we connect the farms and we have corridors. It's very important. That will be done only if farmers perceive cacao as a good opportunity for them. Right. Yes. So it's again very nice. It's market driven. So if they manage to continue being successful in the market, we will they will increase the, the, the area, we'll get more beans, more transactions, more, more area in cacao. Mm -hmm. We provide a, a genetic material, so small trees, grafted trees, and, and we help them, we train them how to craft and continue plantation instead of thousand trees by thousand trees, just by five by five. Okay. So that they can every month they can add area. Very interesting. That's on the environmental aspects. We, we, don't, we don't enter more than just being in cacao is so much better than being pineapple or cattle ranch. Why, why pineapple? Yeah. I always find the pineapple thing very interesting. Yes, yes. This is, this is extensive crops we have in Costa Rica that super high quality and preferred in the world. So it's very sweet. So it's a very, very good, um, uh, very interesting, but completely different. Eh? You have to basically sterilize the soil, produce pineapple, and, and, uh, and no shade, no trees. It's, the temperature is like four degrees Celsius higher as in the plant, in the neighboring the plant, banana plantations. So same as cattle ranching. It's basically this kind of agriculture in the tropics needs to the, the forest to be cut down. Right. And have instead in cacao, you need a shade of trees. Okay. So it's completely and it's better cacao. And then in, in social aspects, we have plenty of things to do. We have this issue with um, uh, children's obesity, very important. We have some indigenous communities that have been marginalized for years. And they used to be cacao farmers uh, decades ago, 100 years ago. So mm -hmm. we need to integrate them. In the, in the system, uh, and we are trying. It's pretty much difficult, um, but we are, we are in a good direction. And, and then it's centered on productivity. If a farmer is productive and, and is receiving a fair price or better than a fair price, that helps them to, to in their pride to be a, uh, they feel much better as being a farmer. The ultimate indicator for me is in the social aspect, is when parents, <clears throat> excuse me, call their children that are in San Jose, mm -hmm. in marginal areas in the city, and call them back. Come on, come back to the plantation. Mm -hmm. That is fantastic. And <clears throat> that, that means that farmers believe that that is the way. It's, it's changing the history, it's changing the trend. Come back to the field for a better, better quality of living. And the kids, are they doing it? Are kids wanting to do it, to go, go back to the farm? Yes, because we are not educated. They can be only in very dangerous, marginal areas in the cities. Mm. Um, jobs that are exhausting or demanding. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Being on the farm, the parents, I mean, uh, can be, if they are productive, if, if they can have a very good quality of living is for them a, a, a dream life. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So with the environmental, we have the social and you said with parents calling kids back, I think that's really cool because um, they believe in cacao again. Yes, yes, 
Okay. That, that, that's, that's great. And that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And then, so you started, I mean, you are a farmer, you mentioned, and then you started bringing farmers together and, and getting the beans to market. But then you're also making chocolate yourself at Nehuya. So yes. doing the whole bean to bar process. So how did that all happen? <laughs> um, that happened because I'm very jealous sometimes. And I noticed that there were a lot of uh, chocolate makers in the world winning awards with the, the beans that I supply. So I feel ah, I need to chocolate as well. So <laughs> that that's that was a trigger that I wanted to, to have a very good chocolate. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> you do have amazing yeah, chocolate. <laughs> the last time I was there, got it's been a long time since I was in Costa Rica, I've seven, eight years. Um, but it was very cool to see you were just setting up your chocolate making factory when I was there last in I can't say Heredia. Re- Really, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's amazing. Yes, yes. Oh, very nice machine, small. Mm-hmm. Basically, from our whole production of cocoa beans, we make chocolate only with the three, four percent of the beans. So we are ninety-six percent volume-wise uh, cacao exporters, cocoa bean exporters. Yeah. And we also make chocolate. And that's fun. Again, very interesting facts there that because our chocolate makers, the ladies that are there, I, I'm not there, I'm not patient. I cannot be there. I cannot. <laughs> but my, my the chocolate makers, they are uh, daughters from farmers. Oh, cool! That's amazing. There's strong attachment in the, in the in the lady that makes our chocolate. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. Well, I'm going to ask you one last question because I think this, um, I do want to respect your time. Um, and it's a, it's a big open-ended one. So go whichever direction you want. But what is your dream for Costa Rica, cacao in Costa Rica? I think that it's about really changing landscape in Costa Rica, the agricultural landscape. I, I, I would like to have more farmers planting cacao and treating thriving uh, plantations, not only where we are located, but in other can- areas of the country. With so they are so marginalized and, and they don't have um, basically a same farm, same, same profile in our area. They can move forward in other areas of the country that very, very, um, very, very, very behind. So my, my vision is, is to that all the all farmers, all cacao farmers in the country have a different opportunities, more opportunities. We know how to do that. I would like to go everywhere in the country, myself or somebody else, but that has to change. And, and then maybe you have an re- opportunity to, to do that the same in Nicaragua, Panama, Colombia, because this situation is basically the same in every country. So it's... Um, and, and the other goal for me is also to connect more the chocolate makers with the farmers that, that understand really what is happening and, and why, why, why this, this chain has to go closer. Yes, because can be, it can be changed. We show that every day that can be changed. There's no need for a cacao farmers to be the poorest of the poorest in the society. It's, it's not, no need for that. And that's my dream too. I mean, that's why I, it's so important to me to go visit when I can. And I mean, you were the first that visit that I had done. Um, so I'm so grateful for that. And we're so proud 
to be buying cacao from you and your network. Um, and I hope to come visit again soon. And you're always welcome to come visit in Canada as well. Um, but my goal is simply to continue to help you in your mission in making cacao farming a sustainable thing because the world loves chocolate, but I think it needs to be more equitable. Yes, yes. Thank you. And, and you're always welcome. And everybody that's hearing your, your, this, this conversation as well, no, it's one of, it's a beautiful country with the happiest people in the world, yes? Oh, for sure. Despite the pandemic, <laughs> Despite the pandemic we, are, we are. La pura vida, right? Pura vida. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Juan Pablo. I really appreciate it. Very welcome.